The following is a special presentation from Pastor Joanne Ramsey and Speak the Word Ministries. We trust God's Word will bless you as you listen to this message. Here's Pastor Joe. The Lord has placed it in my spirit to teach on how powerful it is when He lifts up a standard against your enemies. And I know that so many of us are still in fear today, but I'm so thankful to the good Lord that, that some of that fear is being dispelled. And even though there's still fear around, it's not as powerful as it was. I think it's being released, and I'm so thankful for that. I borrowed some of this message from um, concerning the standard of the Lord. As a matter of fact, as soon as I read it, I had this quickening in my spirit, and I knew that the Lord wanted me to remind you of just how powerful He is. And people that sing or minister, they know that they can hear something, whether it's in a message or a song, and the Lord will speak into your spirit and say, hey, I want you to share that. Maybe they shared it with somebody else, but they might say, well, I want you to share that. But also know that, that the Lord also gives you a whole different way of delivering it, which is totally different. It says in Isaiah 59, uh, 19, in New King James, it says, so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. I'd like for you to let's take a look this morning at some of these other translations and really catch a glimpse of how powerful this standard is. In the New International Version of the Bible, it says, For he will come like a pent-up flood that the breath of the Lord drives alone. In the New Living, it says, For he will come like a raging flood tide driven by the breath of the Lord and another translation says, For he will come like a rushing stream, which the wind of the Lord drives, in the English Standard Version. In the God Word translation, he says, He will come like a rushing stream. The wind of the Lord pushes him. I, I just really love that. The Lord it just pushes him. He says, and you know, as you can see from the different interpretations and the different translations, that this is a powerful, awesome force that God is talking about here in this verse. When we lift up a standard or a banner, it is not any standard, saints. It's not any standard. It is God's awesome standard. It is the power of Jesus Christ himself. Saints, in lifting up a standard against your enemy, Satan, it puts up a flood of the very breath of God. It brings a raging, rushing, mighty and violent stream breaking all barriers down. Are you hearing me? He said it is like the breath and the wind of God which pushes our enemies into oblivion. And that's what he's going to do with these things that's coming against us now. He's going to push it into oblivion. Amen. They disappear at his breath. Blessed be the name of the Lord forever. Hallelujah. Saints, what? What I am trying to say is that Jesus is our standard. He's our standard. In Romans 8, 37 declares that yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. One translation says, the one who loves us gives us an overwhelming victory in all of these difficulties. And verse 38 in the New Living Bible says, and I am convinced, and I'm convinced this morning, and I pray that you're convinced too, that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today, 
nor our worries about tomorrow. And I know there's many fears today, and there's many worries about tomorrow. But he said none of these things can separate you from his love. And in other words, if you can't separate you um, from his love, you cannot separate you from his um, protection either. He said not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Praise the Lord. In verse 39, it says, No power in the sky above or in the earth below. He said, Indeed, nothing in all creation, he said, will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Jesus Christ our Lord. Hallelujah. Saints, through Jesus, through Jesus, we have victory. And we don't just barely win the battles in Him because we have already won. He says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Hallelujah. And that's the title of my message today, that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. It says in Isaiah 57, 17, in the King James Version, it says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against you in judgment thou shalt condemn. In other words, you shall show them to be in the wrong. He said, This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness as of me, saith the Lord. Brothers and sisters, it means that weapons might form against you, but they will not prosper. The enemy will bring things against you, but that does not mean that he will succeed. He brings things against us every day. And, you know, we, each one of us in here have probably testimonies upon testimonies. But, you know, there's those little old things when you almost have an accident and maybe you just missed it by the skin of your teeth. That was God protecting you. That was the enemy forming a weapon against you. That day that, that deer, and I hit that deer and he slid across my windshield. That was a weapon that he formed against me, but it did not prosper. But he forms weapons against us every day, but they do not prosper. He said, no weapon formed against you. He says, if no weapon formed against you shall prosper, then praise God, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. He did not say they would not be formed. He said they would not be successful. So we have to understand they will not be successful. I hope you're hearing me. Now I want to get back to the comma. The comma, as a matter of fact, I could have called this message the comma. <laughs> in Isaiah 59, 19, you will see that the comma in the English translation is in the wrong place. The original Greek says it this way. It normally reads like this. Normally it reads like this. When the enemy comes in like a flood, comma, the Spirit of God will raise up a standard against him. But it should read like this. When the enemy comes in, a pause or comma, like a flood, the Spirit of God will raise up a standard against him. Saints, the enemy never comes in like a flood. Remember, he likes to make you think he has power over you. Let's look at this comma or pause and gain some more revelation of the position of this comma and the power when it is put in its rightful place. We have to get it back. We have to get that comma back to where it's supposed to be. You need to recognize that the enemy is trying to deceive you. He is trying to get you to see that he thinks that he is bigger. The comma is where the power is. Your punctuation is where the power is. The comma is where the power is. It is where we get our lines roar back. This is where we recognize just how awesome and powerful our God is. Amen. Brothers and sisters, this is where we rise up from the depths of despair and rise from the ashes to victory. This, saints, is the power of the comma. 
The power of the comma also lets everyone know that our God, our Father, is never, never on the back foot. He never, never needs to make a defensive move against Satan. He never has to do that. Are you hearing me? That is why the enemy will never come in like a flood. Only the great I am can create a flood of life, power, and authority in your situations. The truth is, when the enemy comes in, comma, like a flood, the Spirit of God comes in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Remember, the original version says, when the enemy comes in, comma, like a flood, comma, this is the original Greek, the Spirit of the Lord shall raise up a standard against him. Praise the Lord. You know, we need to be thankful this morning. We need to be thankful that no matter what the enemy does, he has already been defeated. It doesn't look like it with all the turmoil and everything going on in this world this morning, but he has been defeated. First of all, the enemy cannot create anything like a flood. He has no power to create. He can only imitate. He's an, imitate. He's an imitator. He can lie to you, and he can cause you to see his tactics as a flood, but our enemy has, has, has been defeated. That's all there is to it. In Colossians 2.15 is one of the great verses of victory in the New Testament. And it says, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. And is there anything in this verse that you don't understand? He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and put them in open shame by triumphing over them in him. So we should get, we need to get a revelation this morning that our enemy has been defeated. We are fighting a flesh. We're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're fighting against the principalities of this world. Jesus come to destroy the works of the devil. He has put us here to help him. We have taken his plate. We're here to destroy it with his help. With the help of the Holy Spirit, we can destroy the works of the devil. Saints, our Savior has won the battle for us because the seed of the woman has bruised the head of the seed of the servant Serpent, according to uh, Genesis 3.15. Hallelujah. Victory was set at the cross. And it's ours by faith and possession. Praise God. We can safely conclude that the enemies that Christ Jesus triumphed over in Colossians 2.15 are the spiritual beings who were at war against him. Truly, we are in a midst of a war today. But a war but a war where we have already won. Praise His holy name. And let me stop here and say this. Um, I understand, like I said, there is a lot of turmoil going on. There's a lot of hate in this world. But I want you to know that in the natural, it looks like the hate outweighs the love. But the hate does not outweigh the love. And we continue to talk about the hate. And the more we talk about the hate, and the violence that's going on, the more power we are given to it. We're giving it power. We have to do, we have to do like Jesus tells us to do. Jesus tells us to take a stand. He says, put on the full armor of God and take a stand. Stand firm. And when you've done all you can do is stand. But he tells us in his word to pray for those that persecute you. 
pray for your enemies. He didn't say talk about them. He said pray for them. We can't stop them, but the Word of God can stop them. But God needs our mouths praying for these people and speaking God's Word over them so that He can change them. His words, He will create. He creates with His words. We were created in God's image. Everything that we have today, He created with His words. And He needs us. To, he created us as speaking spirits. And that's our weapon is the weapon. Our weapons is the word of God. And he needs us to start wielding the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We need to pray. And the way you pray for your enemy or somebody, pray for their salvation. Pray that, you know, and say, Father God, I pray today that you'll send God, the Lord of the harvest across their path. The harvest is ready. Jesus said the harvest is ready. It's white. It's ready. But their labors are few. We are the laborers. We are the laborers. We must get a handle on this. And we must quit sitting around thinking that we're defeated. We're not defeated. Jesus is waiting for us to stand up and take a stand against our enemy. We need to pray for them. That God, we would need to pray that Second Corinthians 4, 4, where it says that the God of this world has put blinders on the non-believers so they can't see the truth. We need to pray to the God of the heavens that he will take the, the uh, command. We don't need to pray to God. We need to command him. We need to command Satan to take the blinders off of the non-believers so they can see the truth and then pray for the God of the harvest to send laborers across their path. That's what we're going, that's the only thing that's going to stop the violence. We have the power within ourselves through the Holy Spirit that dwells in each and every one of us. We have that power in us to destroy the works of the devil. Amen. We can do it. But you, there, maybe there's only a handful of us here this morning, or maybe you think, well, I'm only one. Well, there's only just a few of us. It doesn't matter. One person or a small group can do an awful lot. You just have to begin somewhere. And I would suggest that we start getting some ideas on how we can come together and start praying these prayers and start fighting and coming against this violence and not with weapons as the, as the, in the natural, but God's weapons and see some of this stuff come down. And if you're reading, when you're reading the Bible, that's how they handled it. God took care of it, but he needed their help. God's word declares in Isaiah 43, 2, in a New Living Translation, it says, When you go through deep waters, he says, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of depression, he said, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flames burn you. What he's saying here is don't be fearful. He said, just step outside of your comfort zone and go on. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to protect you. Brothers and sisters, you and I are victors because of the victory Jesus has won for us. He's already made us more than overcomers, more than conquerors. It says you and I are conquerors because we serve a conquering king. Our king conquered everything before he ever gave it to us. You and I are more than conquerors. Jesus has made us more than conquerors. In Galatians 3.27 it says, as many of you as have been baptized into Christ has put on Christ. So put on Christ. He is your supreme victory. Praise the Lord. Beloved, be assured that you will be under attack from time to time. Jesus himself was under attack most of the time. Pretty much all the time. They were coming at him, spitting on him, stoning him, talking about him, trying to kill him. Anything, Even, even when he was born, they were trying to kill him. 
I mean, they started early trying to get rid of him. Hebrews 12, verse 3 in New Living Bible says, Think of all the hostility that Jesus endured from sinful people, and then you won't become weary and give up. Yes, brothers and sisters, we are experiencing so much right now from sinful people across the country. But we must put on our full armor and act like Jesus and not grow weary and give up, but adapt his attitude. And also pray for those that, like I said, that persecute us. Talking about, like I just said, talking about it won't help. We have to pray for it. And this is what I had written down here. We need to pray that the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest. That's, you find that in Matthew 9, 38. And command Satan to take the blinders off their eyes so they can see the truth. You'll find that in 2 Corinthians 4, 4. Many Christians, because of fear, will make the wrong decisions when they're under attack. As a matter of fact, anybody will. Christian or non-believer or believer, when you're under attack or when you're going through something, most time you're going to make wrong decisions. Our decisions must be based on what the Holy Spirit is prompting us to do. That's what our decisions have to be based on. And number two, it must be based on the Word of God. And number three, it must be based on biblical principles. We can't base our decisions on how we feel and what we think. Remember, the Bible says your heart will lie to you in Jeremiah 17, 9. In other words, you can't trust your feelings. They're going to lie to you. Anytime you come under attack and you do not listen to the Holy Spirit, you're going to get in trouble. I'm sure that a lot of you can bear witness to that this morning when you were doing something and you had that still small voice in there was telling you not to do it and you went ahead and did it anyway and you got in trouble. Our weapons against Satan is the Word of God. God impressed upon me in the very beginning of my walk with Him the importance of the words coming out of my mouth and the importance of confessing His Word over my life and the lives of my family. You know, I was thinking about that as I was talking to my sister last night. God Himself is so powerful, and He is His Word. But you know, I don't know if I've ever said this, told this to anybody or not, but I remember when I first became a Christian, I was going through some difficult times. And shortly after I became a Christian, the enemy hit me full force. And uh, I guess, you, I don't know if you call it losing my mind, having a nervous breakdown or what you want to call it, but I was a mess. But the thing of it is, I went from a person that being immaculate and this and that and the other to not even want, having the energy or desire to take a shower, comb my hair, or go out and eat or do anything. Uh, I just lived off of, I walked around like a, a mute, you know, dummy on, on tranquilizers and pills to get me through one day to the next. But thank God for the Word, because even though I was a new Christian, He began to speak to me. And it was during that time that the Lord impressed upon me the importance of His Word and that I must speak His Word. And then later, of course, called me to the ministry to preach and teach how to teach other people to speak His Word. But I, I, I began to listen. I, I didn't have um, much knowledge of the Bible, even though I'd gone to church off and on all my life. But I, at that time, I didn't know when I got born again. Uh, I knew that my life had changed, but I didn't know enough to know how it had changed. But I knew there was something different and that something different is what saved my life. Because on those days when I could barely make it, 
and the Lord would talk to me and tell me things to say and do and point things out to me. Uh, and I didn't always understand what he was saying, but I listened. And as I was telling my sister last night, had I not known the Lord, had I not spoke his word, had I not been obedient and confessed his word over my situation, I wouldn't have been here today. I had reached that point in my life. You can reach the point in your life where you just want to give up, that you maybe don't even want to live. But God Almighty had plans for me. He's got plans for you guys. He's got plans for all of you that's listening online. And some, some of you today might be feeling like, well, I don't think I can do, I can take another bit of this. I don't think I can make another move. I don't think I can take another step. But you can't on your own. But God can, if you'll trust Him, He will get you through. There's nothing that He cannot get you through. I don't care. He's brought me through so many sicknesses and diseases and illnesses. He brought me through that. And it took me over a year to get, to get to where I was, I would say, got off my medications and just nothing but God, nothing but God. And it's been nothing but God for me ever since. But I know the power of the Word of God. And I know that if it had not been for that, and my sister had a similar experience earlier than that, sooner than that, when she was younger, that I didn't know about. We talked about that she just said she just took her Bible and got in the closet with the Lord. And, and of course, her husband was a pastor. So it doesn't matter. Satan is not choosy. He doesn't care who he attacks. But he's especially going to attack you when the Lord's got his hand on you. And I believe he's got his hand on all of us because every one of us has a purpose. There's something that God wants us to do. And to us it might seem small, but to God it's big because that one thing could cause that other person to do something greater or even that other person to do something that couldn't done without it. It's like a piece of a puzzle. They all need to be put together. We began to speak the word over our, our families and our lives and our situations and don't sit there and just take it and do nothing and feel helpless and out of control. God is in control. You don't have to be in control all the time. Just trust the Lord and there's nothing, you know, just throw, your, throw yourself on Him. God, I need help. This morning when I came in, I didn't feel like preaching. And when I got up this morning, I didn't feel like preaching. And I'm concerned. You know? And my sister said, are you okay? I said, I'll be all right. You know, the enemy, he wants to attack you. He wants to take us out. But we can't let him do that. We are greater. We are the one that has the power. We've been given power and authority here on this earth to have dominion. Dominion means to dominate. It doesn't mean to sit back and just listen and not, and not do anything. A lot of Christians don't realize this, but you can only have the faith that you have the knowledge for. And let me back up and say this. When Jesus spoke to something, he expected to see results. And his word teaches us to do as he did and speak to our mountains. And when I speak to something, I expect something to happen. Amen. You know? Amen. You know, the Lord revealed to me um, the other morning on the treadmill, He just brought this back to my remembrance, you know, that He says we have the power and authority and we have dominion. And so I'm on the treadmill, you know, my leg acts up a little bit and I, I start talking to it. And I say, leg, I call you strong. 
muscles, joints, cells. I call you strong in the name of Jesus and I speak health to you and I command you to function as God created you to function in the name of Jesus. And, and, uh, and all of a sudden the, the Lord said that, um, he said, you have authority over your body. You know, he's, you know we're spirits. We're, we're first and foremost a spirit and we, and we have a soul and we live in a body and this body is subject to you. So we, you can speak to your body, and if you get in the habit of speaking to your body, and when you speak to it, speak to it with power and authority, and tell it, it must obey you. And so I began to tell my leg, leg, I command you to function in the, you know, normally in the name of Jesus. You must obey me. I command you to obey me and function like you're created to. Begin to speak with authority and command it. It has to obey you your body, and anything else that's not of God has to obey you. You can tell, and you need to say that. You have to obey me. You don't have any choice. You have to obey me. It is really important to know that we get to know what God's Word says. It's only then will we know what is His will for us. He tells us in Amos 8:11 in the Amplified Bible, it says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, when I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, not a thirst for water, but a famine for hearing the words of the Lord. In verse 12, he said, And the people shall wander from sea to sea, and from the north even to the east, they shall run to and fro. He said, To, to seek the word of the Lord, he says, Inquiring for and requiring it, as one requires food, but shall not find it. Hallelujah. That calls for a sailor. Sailor means just to pause and stop and think about what he just said there. He's saying that there's coming a time when there's going to be a famine in the land for the word. But he also tells us to seek him while he can be found. We need to be seeking him while he can be found and seeking the word because he's saying here to seek the word, to seek the word of the Lord, inquiring for and requiring as one requires food but shall not find it. There's coming a time when we shall not find it. I really don't think it's going to be us because I don't believe we're going to be here. <laughs> I, believe, I, believe we, I, I believe we're just going to be uh, ushered right on up with Jesus, but there, there will be a time where there's not going to be that going on. They don't, they're not going to have the opportunities that we have today. Saints, I realize that many are so filled with fear and anxiety, and I can understand why, with all the negative news that we're exposed to every, on a daily basis. It's no wonder that so many people struggle with constant fear and anxiety. But we must keep in mind that the God we serve and how mighty and powerful He is, regardless of our feelings, regardless of our situations, regardless of the uncontrollable, we serve a God who is all-powerful over your feelings, your situations, and, and even the things in your life that are out of your control. They are not out of God's control. They may be out of your control, but they're not out of His control. And brothers and sisters, when you start to feel fear and anxiety creeping into your mind, you can rebuke it in the name of Jesus. You have been given authority over fear. Fear is a spirit. And according to Luke 10, 19, these evil spirits are subject to you. In other, in other words, they have to obey you. All these spirits are subject to you. 
Deuteronomy 31, 6 says, Be strong and courageous. He says, Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you, and he will never leave nor forsake you. Hallelujah. Let's take another look at this powerful, awesome force in Isaiah 59, 19. Again, he said, For he will come like a pent-up flood when we need him, that the breath of the Lord is going to drive drives it along. He says, For he will come like a raging flood tide, driven by the breath of the Lord. For he will come like a rushing stream, which the wind of the Lord drives. He will come like a rushing stream that the wind of the Lord pushes, pushes him. As you can see again from the different interpretations, this is a powerful, awesome force that when we lift up a standard or banner, it is not, as I said before, any banner. It is God's awesome standard. It is the power of Jesus Christ. Saints, in lifting a standard against your enemy, Satan, it puts a flood of the very breath of God. It, it, it puts that there. It brings, when you do that, it brings a raging, rushing, mighty, and violent stream breaking all barriers down. Let's go and read Isaiah 59, 13. You need to know that God is not uninformed about what's going on. So many people, when they pray, instead of praying God's word, they just tell him everything like he's uninformed. So they're going to inform him. But he don't really want you to inform him. He's not uninformed. He knows everything. And he knows everything now. So he's not uninformed about what's going on. He is very aware of the happenings around us today. In these scriptures below, you could almost see how they could uh, be for today. In Isaiah 59, verse 13 through 15, the New Living Bible says, In transgressing and lying against the Lord and departing from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart, he says, words of falsehood. Verse 14, justice is turned back and the righteousness stands afar off. He says, for truth is fallen in the street and equity cannot enter. In other words, one definition for equity means something that is fair and just. The equities of our criminal justice system. But because the truth has fallen in the street, equity, what is fair and just, cannot enter because it has fallen in the street. And that's where it's at today in all these cities and towns. Justice has fallen in the street. Everything is being twisted and turned to suit the media. The media is our worst enemy. The enemy, the, the enemy is used in the media, and so therefore it makes them our worst enemy. They'll ne they never tell you the truth. And you're going to have to be careful how you listen. In verse 15, it says, So truth fails, and he who departs from evil makes himself, a, uh, makes himself a prey. Then the Lord saw it, and it displeased him. He said, There was no peace. The Holy Spirit is grieved. God is grieved. The whole Trinity is grieved to see us people behaving the way they're behaving. I do know that it's scriptural, that the, a lot of these things are going to take place. But nevertheless, I still believe it grieves the Lord to see us not behaving the way we should. His elect, His chosen ones. Now, we, now it, it's, it's unknown that the others don't know maybe what they're doing. 
but we know the Word of God. So we should be following what He says and not being caught up in what's going on. What's happening is the ones that do know the Lord are being caught up in that whirlwind that's going on. And because we're being called up in it, and I'm just as guilty too, because I find myself saying things and talking about things or looking at something that I shouldn't either. But the Lord is revealing to me that hey, you can't do that. You've got to pray for them. You've got to pray for them. If you, want, if you want to help and you say you want to help, this is the Lord talking to me, <laughs> you want to help, then do what my word tells you to do. Don't sit there and complain to me about it. You, you do something. It says... Um, in verse 19, so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in, comma, like a flood, comma, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them. My spirit who is upon you and my words, which I have put in your mouth, shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your descendants, nor from the mouth of your descendants' descendants, says the Lord, from this time and forevermore. The Lord tells us in Romans 10, 8, and in Deuteronomy 30, 14, it says, The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. In closing, I believe that the Lord had me to share this with you. Our Father's desire for us, you and me, is not about doing so many things trying to please Him. So many of his children have been taught to do what so many of his children have been taught to do. He says, you have pleased him abundantly when you accepted his son Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You have pleased him abundantly. Brothers and sisters, our Father wants us to get back that overwhelming love and excitement for him that we had at the beginning of our relationship with him. He wants us to have that love that we had before we got so caught up in works and doing stuff. Before we got so misled by so many churches and so many false doctrines, teaching us that our works was the most important thing. He does want us doing works. He does want us bearing fruit, but not to the point to where we put them first and forget about Him. He does want us to bear good fruit. He does want us to do good works, but He don't want them to get above Him. He says, we have forgotten our first love, according to Revelations 2, 4. He says in, in verse 2, I know all the things that you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. He said, I know you don't tolerate evil people. He said, you have examined the claims of those who say they're apostles but are not. He said, you have discovered that they are liars. He said, you have patiently suffered for me without quitting. Verse 4, but I have this one this complaint against you, you don't love me or each other as you did at first. Think about what the Lord is telling us here, saints. I'm not saying you don't love the Lord. I'm just saying He wants us to get that excitement back for Him that we had when we first met Him and be excited over every little thing that we're doing for Him and not get caught up uh, we're doing so much that sometimes we forget who we're doing it for. We're just doing it, you know, because we, we think this is a good thing, so we're doing it. And most of them are good things, but you can't forget who you're doing it for. You're not, you can't forget who the great I Am is. 
Our Father wants you more than he wants your works. God is not ignorant to the things that we do. He names about four things in Revelation uh, chapter uh, 12, uh, 2, verses 2 through 7, that he knows that we do, and he even commends us for doing them. So he is aware of your works. And I know you want to please God just as much as I do. But he's telling us how we can please him. And how can we do that, saints? We can do that by loving him and loving each other is how we can do this. I want you to really listen to what I'm about to say, brothers and sisters. For it is when we begin serving others that we show our love for the Lord. It's when you're reaching out to others and serving others that you're serving the Lord and that you're pleasing Him. When you see somebody that needs prayer or you're standing in line at the grocery store and the person in front of you don't have enough money to finish paying for their bill and you got it, pay it. Uh, sometimes the Lord will just impress upon you to give something to somebody you don't even know or, and see, does it to me. But you got to be open. you got to be willing to do it. And you can't think about the money part of it or to act. It, could, it doesn't have to be money. It can be other things. You, you might have a neighbor that you might could go babysit their children, give them a night out. Or you, there maybe you could go cut their grass. Maybe they're not able. Maybe it's an older couple that lives in your neighborhood. They're not able to cut the grass. There are so many things that we can do to serve others. And, and that's how the Lord says, you show that you love me. Because that's who we are. We're, we're, we're his. And he, can't, he does it through us. And he wants to do this for the people, but he has to do it through us. I know that it's not always an easy thing to do, but it is rewarding to know that the love of God that has been poured out in me and you, according to Romans 5, 5, is big enough to forgive those who hurt us and those who trespass against us. As I said before, we must continue to pray for those that persecute us. His word says that we have crossed over from darkness to light, if we have love one from another. Are you hearing me? That's how, he, that's how we know that we belong to him. If we love each other. And it didn't say, you know, you don't have to like everything about the person. Maybe you don't agree with everything they say or do. But he didn't say that. He said, love them. Love them. And sometimes that's not easy. <laughs> sometimes that's real hard. But, <laughs> but you love them anyway. This is really important to God, and it's important to you if you want your prayers answered, if you want your mountains to come down. So if you want to know what God wants you to do, He wants you to love Him and to love each other. God wants you to be free. He does not want you burdened down with things. He does not want you burdened down with works, and especially religious works. With God, it's all about our hearts and what's in those hearts. And brothers and sisters, that's what is important to God. If you want to know this morning what's important to God, it's loving Him. As a matter of fact, He said these command, two commandments sum up all the other commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your might, and likewise love your neighbors yourself. Again, let me say that we need to go, go at this a different way. We need to approach what's going on a different way. I know that you're saddened. I'm saddened, and I'm angry. I, I, I hope it's a holy anger. <laughs> I think about how angry David used to get 
with his enemies and the things that were going on and how he'd say, well, God, you know, just kill them. <laughs> you know, and sometimes we feel that way too. Uh, I, I feel so heartbroken and sad for all the damage that's being done to people's property and their lives and the fear that they continue to instill. It breaks my heart and I know it's grieving God. It, it's breaking his heart. But we can, we can do something about it. We can help. But like I said, by praying for them and not cursing them, uh, they don't know any better. We do. We do. It's kind of like children. You know, you, you train the children and, and you, you bring them up to do the right thing because you're, you're an adult and you know better. Well, God, you know, we're his children and, and he's wanting us to do better. And, and like I said, it saddens me. It breaks my heart. I feel like crying when I hear of this stuff going on. And another thing that it saddens me and makes me angry is because I can't understand why somebody don't go in there and stop them. You know, why, why the government allows them to do this, you know. Uh, this is violence, you know. And, and they're destroying, uh, destroying people's property that they work really hard for in churches, burning them down, removing Statues and stuff, there's nothing wrong with erecting other statues. There's nothing wrong with that, but you don't have to tear one down to put up another. You know, we're, we're supposed to work together. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. It doesn't matter about your age or your color or anything. We're all Christ. We all belong to Jesus. God said in his word in Galatians 3.28, he says he, he, he doesn't see any difference between one or the other. We're all, you know, free women, men. It doesn't matter. We're all one in Him. Father, I thank You today. I thank You so much for this word, Lord. I thank You for the boldness to be able to speak it, Lord. I thank You for the courage. I thank You for all those, again, that's in here listening this morning and all those that are listening online this morning. I pray, Father God, that they will that you will continue to instruct them in the, in, in the ways. I know that your word tells us what we need to do, Lord. And you said, Lord, not to be hearers only, but to be a doers also. So let us not just continue to read the word, Father God. Help us not to just continue to read and hear the word, but to be a doers of the word. You have given us explicit instructions in the word of God, in your word, as to how we're supposed to behave and how we're supposed to handle situations and, and that we can do this with your help, Father. We just thank you that we can do this with your help. And we thank you that the Holy Spirit is here, that he's our teacher, he's our helper, he's our advocate. And we have the Lord Jesus Christ. With greater is he that's in us than he that's in this world. Your word says that we are born of God, little children, and greater is he that's in us than he that's in this world. So Father, again this morning, I just thank you and pray that not only the ones listening online, but the ones in here this morning, I pray that we will just come together and just begin to pray this thing down. Put some, put some power on it. Put your word on it. Your, your word is sharper than a two-edged sword. Your word will cut through bone and marrow, even to divide in the spirit and soul. And you have your angels standing by to hearken to the words that we speak. You said, Lord, that you're, you're active and alert to perform your word, Lord God. You said, Father, that your word shall go where you send it, and it shall accomplish the thing before for, for, for which do you send it, and it shall not return into your void. So, Lord, we have all of this. All you're waiting for us to do is just open up our mouths and speak your word over that situation and put some power on it. And, Father, again, we just give you all the praise and all the glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.